we've all had time to sit and digest Penn State football's 20-12 loss to Ohio State, but I don't know that it makes it anything other than indigestion for Penn State football fans here on Monday morning. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Sean Fitz and Nate Bauer out in Columbus to talk about the to, to see the game. We're going to be talking about that today. And uh, kind of like church, I'm going to try and set up something in the middle here for questions and con- prayers and concerns for Penn State football fans in the middle and end of the show. So we want your questions. We want your feedback, your reactions to the show today. But we are going to be breaking things down, talking about what happened. And I, I have a feeling we're going to be spending a good bit of time on the Penn State offense uh, and-, and what happened on Saturday. Um, let's get an off-the-top implications of the loss to Ohio State. Fitz, um, I'm going to come to you. Actually, Nate, I'm going to come to you because uh, Fitz is tweeting out the promo. So, Nate, I'm going to come to you. Implications of this loss and <sighs> where the season goes. You are the glass half full guy after the game. Do you still Maybe. feel that way? Uh, I, I don't know about half full. I think it's – I here, here's the word that comes to mind instantly and all the time, and I can't get it out of my head, is purgatory, right? Uh. The Penn State football program is in the waiting room of a very nice place, right? Like it's, it's like the club outside the club and it's, it's super great. Uh, They they treat you really, really well, right? There are drinks, there's all kinds of stuff to do, but there's a velvet rope and, uh, and Ohio state is behind that other door. And so is Georgia uh, right. So is Alabama. I mean, it's not a huge club, but Penn State wants to be in it. And uh, Saturday, again, was a demonstration that uh, that Penn State is not in that club. So still uh, still room to, to grow and things that have to be done for for Penn State as a program for one as a program, but also right as a team just this year. There's just there's just these very elemental things that have to happen if Penn State wants to win more games uh, against very challenging opponents this season. Yeah, HF Transplant is in uh, the chat today already with a donation to the channel. He just says, uh, as Brick Tamlin would say, loud noises! That's, I think, how Penn State fans feel this morning. <laughs> Fitz, uh, your thoughts on uh, implications of this loss to Ohio State. What does it mean to you? Uh, for the 2023 season and, you know, what happens going forward? The 2023 season, I mean, it still, still depends on Michigan. Like, there, that, that is how we expected it coming into the season. That doesn't change. Um, how things go in the big picture is you can scratch and claw and make the gains that they've made on Ohio State. And I think you saw two teams that were, from a talent perspective, I think the gap was smaller than we've seen in a long time. Um, but you can scratch and claw and make those gains and just see it all washed away. In, in the actual football game. That's where it gets it. You know, that's where that's where the criticism is going to come for James Franklin, rightfully so. And that's where the criticism is going to come for this program as a second-tier program. You know, Ohio State went out there and had those guys make those plays. Oh, Penn State did not. That is that is going to reflect on not only the guys that you have on the field, but the, going back to the recruiting, going back to the staff. It's gonna It's going to reflect on everybody and just show you, you know, when you've got a chance like this, like Penn State had a chance to, to do it like to, yep. to do it and they just fell flat. And I think that that's going to come back and that's going to play into those stereotypes that people outside the program have for this program. And, and, and they're not, I mean, there's, there's something to that. And what Nate is saying about purgatory, what Nate is saying about just being outside the door 
is, you know, I agree. It's great, but also it's not there. And when your expectations internally, externally, wherever are there and you can't get there. And a lot of that is on your own doing. That's what, that's what makes it tough. And it was on the verge of, you know, I write, wrote my impressions after the game the other day and uh, there was a lot going on and it was, you know, critical if you checked it out. Thank you for doing that on blueitillustrator.com. But like, I, I just had this thought where when you play offense, like they play offense, it just sucks the hope right, right out of you. If, if you lose that game 44 <laughs> yeah. to 40, like you're like, you're feeling okay about yourself because you did it. But yep. when you do that on a national stage, the way that they've done that in the past, like this is not the first time it's happened. It sucks the hope out of the fan base. It sucks the hope out of anything that you wanted to build. And that's where those those gains that you make in the offseason, that's where the, the, the positive investment and all this kind of stuff that you have made strides in greatly in the last five years, like in, immense, immense strides in those areas. That's when they fall flat. And that's yep. that's the disappointing part for if you're a Penn State fan. Uh, CB1994 here. He says, on another note, still just incredibly bummed, but fighting through today for you guys. We got a great, we're off to a hot start here on the BWI live show uh, because of you guys, because of you, CB1994, being here. Appreciate that. Appreciate everybody who showed up in the post game show. Um, I, I love that we've got people that are dedicated to coming here and listening and being a part of the conversation on the BWI live show. So, we're, like I said, we're going to be doing that throughout the show. We got some things that we have to get to in terms of like, we've got to break down the game. We, we will get to your comments and your questions here in a little bit but the first thing is uh we have a sponsor on the show and that sponsor makes me look very good and that is bird dogs wearing the bird dog shirt love it the, the little logo i always point the wrong way little logo here check it out that's the bird dogs logo uh if you see me basically anywhere a little cold now for the polo but if you see me basically anywhere I'll be wearing bird dogs. Fitz, I know you've been wearing your bird dogs around. Um, it's a little colder, but the joggers, they're, pre they're pretty good, right? You were saying earlier you got some compliments. The joggers are how great. Good they I look. love them. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't sold yes, on them at the first, I love the joggers. Right? I'm actually wearing the shorts. Right <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm built like an ostrich. So, like, it's kind of different <laughs> to see those kind of things on me. Um, so like I'm wearing the shorts right now and I, I, I wear shorts all year round. That's what I do. I work from home. So I wear shorts and, and these bird dogs are fantastic. I'm wearing them right now. I just got my workout in this morning and then hopped in the shower and boom, I'm, I'm, I'm good for the day. So yeah, we appreciate bird dogs in every form. Um, and you know, no, I, I think, I think they look good in any, and in any weather T Frank. Yeah. And uh, if you want to get your bird dogs, go use the promo code BWI when ordering to receive a bird dogs hydro flask style water bottle with your purchase. Again, that's www.birddogs.com backslash BWI. Thanks to them for being a part of the show. And uh, of course, we'll be talking about and looking good in our bird dogs throughout the rest of the year. Let's get to it. The Penn State offense. Uh, Stephen Light here says it's with sadness that I report the sinking of the USS Yersich this past Saturday. Off course, in heavy fog, grounded while trying to pass. Uh, Steven Poetic. is one of he's one of our regulars. He's one of the most level-headed individuals that I have interacted with that is a fan here, both on the site and on the show. And Steven was saying to me Saturday, he's now time to fire Yersich level. So, like, reasonable people, a, a good barometer, have gone completely off board of the kind of stays down the middle with the Penn State offense. So let's get into it and review if that's right or if that's not right. Uh, Fitz, the offense. Uh, just a mess of things we could talk about. Where does it start with you for what they tried to do on Saturday? And as you pointed out, six points and no hope in a big game. That does not 
that's just not even bad for that game. That's bad for the season, and it's a bad look. Two things um, have to complement the Ohio State defense. Thought they were very good. Um, Penn State all season has taken what the defense has given them in lieu of the big play, in lieu of kind of everything. They've taken what the defense has given them. What happens when the defense gives you nothing? Like, does not, it takes away everything. How do you pivot? Penn State didn't. That's the issue there, is yeah. there was no falling back on it. And, you know, dink and dunk and, and whatever you want to call it, you try to do that. And they, they took that away. Like, they were better, you know, prepared for this game. And they, you know, I think if, if Ohio State was going to get beat over top, you know, they, they adjust to it. Penn State did not have the weapons to beat them over top. Um, so I think that that's number one is like, what do you do when they take away everything? And Ohio state is athletic enough to take away everything. No, two, two teams on your schedule, maybe three teams on your schedule can press to do that. Not going to necessarily say they can do it, but they're going to press to do that because they have the athletes to do it. Ohio state's one of them playing in Ohio stadium is tough. Uh, number two, the, the thing all season has been make Drew Aller beat you. And I'm not sure that's really what Jim Knowles was going to do. I think he was going to meet. Yeah, we're going to get to third downs. Don't worry. Uh, I, I I think he was more t centered on t making those guys on the outside beat you because there was nothing there. I mean, th these were what, a freshman cornerback, backup cornerbacks, whatever it was. Penn State's lack of weapons was alarming to begin with. And yeah. they just weren't they weren't they might as well not have been there like you. You took them completely out of the game. So, yes, you make the first first year quarterback beat you by extension of the wide receivers, but the wide receivers were, were just non-existent, and that's that, that's tough. The third thing, you mentioned the third downs there. Um, I asked Caden Saunders after the game, what's the identity of this team and the, identi or the identity of this offense? I apologize for that. And he was talking about sustaining drives and you know being efficient and all that kind of stuff that we've talked about for the last six weeks because they've done it fairly well uh, against inferior competition, obviously, but they've done it fairly well. Um, Yes. When that doesn't work, what do you do? And there was, there was no spin. There was no, there was no pulling off the pile. There was nothing that you could do to, to make that happen. And it wasn't a situation where they got off schedule. It wasn't a situation where they were terribly behind the sticks or anything like that. It's just, they couldn't get that or continue that going. And that just took away their entire, entire identity. And when you don't have an identity, you get what you had on Sunday or excuse me, Saturday, you get what you had on Sunday too, which is a lot of, <laughs> critical depression there. Um, but no, I think it's just tough to watch this team as they try to establish themselves as a Michigan light. And when you can't do that, you can't pivot to anything else. And I think that's the most disappointing thing. And that, and that's on Mike Garrison and, and, and James Franklin. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, you, you gotta find something else and you gotta stick to your guns, man. Third and one, you're a power running team. Even if you're not always a power running team in the best, you know, the best version of your, your running game, Go for it. Like go, yeah. go for those situations where you need to man up. And if you don't get it like that, it's different when you run the ball in third and seven. But if you run, you run that ball in third and one, you've got an opportunity there. So, I, I, I struggle to say that there's one answer to this um, because it's it. There's a lot of little misses, like the third and one I'm talking about running the ball tipped at the line. Keandre catches that. Maybe it's a big play. Maybe it's not. I mean, yeah. it's it, it's tough to say all these these little things and these what have yous, uh, these these what ifs, if you will. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, to, to watch a team with no purpose, with no identity to not be able to, uh, just sort of change their game to do anything whatsoever. Like that's, that's the problem It's it's not that you were, you got to the doorstep and you couldn't get in there. It's just, you couldn't do anything. 
it felt like there wasn't um and this is this is unfair uh it felt like from a running perspective there was a key there, there was a cohesive game plan but i don't know that it affected the defense the way they wanted it to and nate Fitz said something that I think is is critically important that we were talking about after the game, talking about the identity of this team. Yep. You need to have, first off, you need to have conviction and you need to go against all of your tendencies. If you're James Franklin and you want to be a power running methodical team, you have to be convicted to do it. But you and I were having a conversation after the game and yesterday about whether or not Penn State could be the team they wanted to be, especially in short yardage. So, um, T Frank, uh, can, can I stop yeah. you there for a sure. second? You, you said you have to go against all your tendencies. Are they trying too hard to go in the other direction at, at, with these tendencies? I mean, that that seemed like an issue that kept cropping up on third and four, on third yeah. and five, thing, things like that, just getting away from that. And and like yeah. even like the, the third and seven run that I referenced earlier in the game, I, I didn't hate that call. Like I think that that it it broke a tendency and and had an opportunity to, to be successful. It just didn't didn't get there. But are they going too far in the other direction, getting too cute, as we would say? Um, I I wonder whether or not they can be a short yardage team without JB Nelson. Uh, Ty uh, Ty Williams was a problem for them. They identified him early in the week, and then they tried to run around him with their outside zone, and Hunter Norzad failed to to get him and to secure that block so that's that's one part of it secondarily this is where where nate and i were talking about um uh, where are where's the third tight end where is the t formation this is something that uh andrew rapelier was not available jb nelson was available but didn't play khalil dinkins was available but didn't see the field in these short yardage situations so i'm openly questioning whether or not those guys were healthy enough for for play and if you don't have the T formation, you don't have a third tight end to put out there. This is something I broke down on T Frank's film room. The only evidence we have that they were going to go into a heavy, a heavy package was fourth and one. And on screen, at least, they only showed it for a couple seconds. But you can see they only had four eligible players out there. No third tight end. And they were bringing in Drew Shelton as, a, as, a, as an eligible blocker. So they had to call a timeout and they decided to punt. That's the only evidence we have of a short yardage package in that game. They ran out of the shotgun the entire time. This is a quarterback sneak uh, T formation team that didn't do any of that. So, so Nate, it, and I guess it's the things that we didn't see, the shots that we didn't see called, the formations that we didn't see. Like, was Penn, I guess I'm, I'm openly questioning, and I don't have an answer. I don't know that you do, but yeah. if you don't have that, how do you pivot in the middle of the week and make something out of nothing if you don't have any tight ends? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you pivot. I, the thing that keeps coming up to me, uh, really, as I kind of digest and, and work through this game, is is not necessarily the game itself as much as the wasted time leading into it. Right, the all of the all of the defenses that Penn State faced. Right, and and I don't want to get into the the chuck it deep conversation, right? It's it's not about that. It is you were playing inferior competition in every way, right? Mm -hmm. Iowa, right? Like to me, Iowa represented maybe the best version of what this Penn State offense can look like against that, a, a defense of that caliber. Yeah. And it wasn't good. It wasn't even close. <laughs> it wasn't even close. Right. Like it wasn't yeah. that that was not that offense and what they had was not good. And so they there was just there was just this 
what feels to me as though, yes, they leaned in on the things that they were good at, but also didn't get better at the things that they weren't good at. And that's like, that to me is where it becomes problematic is then you do get into that situation where, okay, you're, you're missing some personnel. Like this happens, right? Yeah. I mean, and you cannot use just JB Nelson and Khalil Dinkins as, okay, they, they, they lost the game because those guys weren't available. No, they lost, they lost the game because, uh, Drew Aller was not accurate. The offensive line allowed pressure all afternoon. I mean, you just like, it's a long, the the play calling itself, right? Right. But you come into the game. This is the part, I guess, that this is why I'm emphasizing this. We we talked about J.B. Nelson on the Thursday show and said, this is a guy who's got NFL power, you know, explosiveness. He isn't perfect. He's not going to finish every block, but he has the strength and the advantage. Some things that maybe Vega, who is more of a grinding type of guy, he doesn't have the explosiveness of a J.B. Nelson, which might help you in some situations against that nose tackle against uh, uh, Ty Williams, I think is his name. So like if you don't, if you know, if you're James Franklin and you know going in, you don't have that, you're going to design a game plan trying to get around the fact that your left guard is a redshirt freshman. And Fitz, this is a, I guess this is what I saw in the game is like, Vega made some mental mistakes, which we've seen him make during the year. He wasn't terrible, but he obviously was not, good and that combination on the interior was a lot of what they were getting early in the year of jb nelson and hunter norzad and i guess this comes back to i've i want to say i'm kind of obsessing about this but jb nelson performative availability on wednesday is that what that was you know uh, was there something that happened later in the week i think this is something we need to follow up on um because i think it tectonically changes what we're talking about here with the offensive identity, what they want to do in that situation and what they could do. So I guess, is that, is that too much of an emphasis from me or is there something else that is at play here? I think the emphasis is, you know, if he's in there, it's, I'm not going to say it's a different game, but it's a different, it's a different look. Like it's a yeah. like that, that interior offensive line got crushed. Like there was no going back and saying, well, they weren't as bad as you think they were. I think they were pretty bad this weekend. Yeah. Um, so like the, that, that's number one. I think it changes the way that you call some things, maybe especially in short yardage. Um, Venga is a, I think he's a good prospect, but again, we, we talk about the difference between playing good as a freshman and, and playing, playing well. So he's, he's not there yet. And I think that showed, and that's kind of had a ripple effect. Uh, I don't know if, I mean, Norzad looked like a guy, especially with the snaps, like thrones, like we, we talked about high snaps earlier this year. We got laces snaps this week. Um, that, that screams to me that he is doing the work of two people, like trying to get two people in the, in the right spot. And that's uh that's a problem. Like you yeah. cannot have that. So whether it's communication, whether it's, you know, overemphasizing one thing to help out another guy, I don't know. Norzad got, you know, once he didn't make that snap, got beat pretty handily this weekend. So, um, yeah, I think that's where, that's where you start with there, but yeah, that, that's going to change your identity. I don't, I don't know that it's simple. I mean, you looked at coming into the game, Ohio state, clearly the more banged up team, the more, yep. the, 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 those are the, those are the guys that had to adjust more for what they didn't have. And maybe they were more prepared for that. Maybe Nelson was a thing that was leading up getting, you know, game time decision, if you will, was not on the injury report, which, um, those things are, are becoming <laughs> at, it's a different Worthless. conversation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's a part. That's part of the conversation this week as well, right? A lot of that's rooted in B. John Robinson yesterday, but that's that's a whole other topic. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean it's it, it's very it's it's very different when you're calling the game with a redshirt freshman. That's uh, you know it doesn't give you the same 
ability to finish in the especially in the pass game like mm-hmm. i think venga is capable as a run blocker i don't know that he's going to get where he needs to be as a redshirt freshman to yep. combo and get off into the second level and they really struggled yep. with that of course this week because you're yep. playing a different breed of athlete um but uh yeah i think that that's that's going to change the way that you look at it but i don't think does does it change it that much i'm not an offensive coordinator i'm not a you know i'm not a head football coach but yeah that's that's the question i have it just felt like the vibe of the offense lost its confidence in the run game it lost its conviction in that and that's that's to me like that's the game plan is what we saw they and going back to this when we look at how the running backs were used nine total touches or nine touches each in the ground game for both Katron Allen and Nick Singleton and uh, very few in the second half so that that's a part of you know just trying to understand what Penn State was trying to do in this game from a from a perspective of what they were versus what they did on Saturday. Nate, I want to get to your thought in just one second because we've got a bunch of this stuff piling up here. It's like the post-game show just started up again. Kalen King cost himself big money on Saturday, not a first-round talent, says Dave Dem- uh, Dem- Demkoski. And Olu reminds me of Donovan Smith, game better suited for the NFL than the Big Ten. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's have, let's have a conversation about that, guys. Four pressures in the game was i think a high in his career but that is not a bad game that's just his worst game that's a guy who um was put into a situation to fail quite a bit and didn't fail all that much because of the the game flow from what happened on saturday you were gonna say nate t frank what do we talk about on thursday the the dynamic of the game how the game right would unfold yep penn state playing from behind yep realistically They are not built to do that. They have played with a lead for the entirety of the season, absent the first half against Northwestern, right? Which Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we could honestly say was in question. And so like the, we talk about the identity of this, right? You want to talk about the identity of the offense? It's, it's as front running. (laughs) It's, it's being ahead and controlling the game. That is, that is who they are. And when you, when you look at, what you just talked about with the carries to Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, it, the, the game had shifted at that point, even like a seven point. I made a joke to Fitz during the game uh, that Penn state needing three field goals with seven minutes to play, right? Like (laughs) that they didn't have enough time to score three field goals in that time because that's, that's what it became is offensively. They lost the ability to dictate terms because they didn't, they, they at no point were they in control of that game absent the, the fumble return for a touchdown, right? That didn't, that didn't happen. If yeah. that, if that play happens, maybe the dynamic of the game shifts a little bit and you can do some, some more things. You have more flexibility, but instead it just felt to me as though offensively they, they just panicked, I think a little bit in terms of how they, how they tried to attack it in the second two, half. Two receiver passes in one game and a double reverse pass does feel a little panicky fits. Like that right. was over the 2.5 from the uh the over under, by the way, yeah. on uh on Thursday's show. So you called hit, that, right? I hit that one. Yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, sp- no, it's speak- de- desperate. It's desperate. And and being desperate down one score, like that's that one stinks, man. That yeah. one, that one is not where you want to be. Um, and and I think that I know people are jumping on Nate here for for yes, it was a one score game. You know, it felt like it wasn't holding that holding that hand out there and someone swinging underneath of you and you, you, 
he can hit a body blow great, but Penn State was not landing anything. Like that, that, that's that's really where you felt about it. So so yes, I I think you're you're both right. Uh, speaking of calling it, we have our shot caller moment of the week, brought to you by Nate Bauer. The shot caller moment of the week. Ah. Uh, I've seen enough at this point of Penn State's offense to think it is not as good as last year's offense, right? Like this is this is an offense that is not as well developed. Uh, the the running backs, what what, however you want to frame it, right? I, I get the patient approach. I get all of that stuff. Something is not quite the same for Nick Singleton this year uh, as it was last year. Katron Allen's doing what Katron Allen does, but the numbers just aren't as gaudy, and I'm not sure exactly why. Drew, Drew Aller, right, is is very mature and has done a lot of really good things this year. It's still not at the level I don't feel like as an offense in terms of its cohesiveness and its uh, synchronicity, if you want, as, as last year's, right, by, by the end of last season. So... Hey. Mr. Nate Bauer called it. I was thinking that the offense and Drew Aller in this situation, when they had to have it, they would be able to deliver more. There'd be more clutch throws. Drew Aller could elevate the offense when he had to because he hadn't been asked to. You were right. Like th- There's no evidence of that, and they absolutely did not have that from the quarterback who was under siege but also had did not play well once again on the road. Like He was off from the very first third down pass. So, Nate... Congratulations on seeing that and calling it out early. Uh, I take, well done, sir. I, I take no pleasure. There's no. I I understand the pain of the Penn State fans right now, but it there were signs of this. There have been signs of this all, all year. I mean, really, even going back to August, right? We and that's I think what is is the difficult conversation to have right now is the receivers have been in it, like this has been known. Okay. Yeah. Like nothing has changed. And not only were they a vulnerable position to begin with, but it was made worse by the fact that two of arguably their top four uh, have been missing all, either altogether or kind of for yeah. most of the year, right? Fit- in, Trey, in Trey Wallace and Omari Evans. Fitz, if uh, if Dante Cephas enrolls in January, does this change? Like, are are the the domino effects and Nate talking about this from you know all the way back? We've known this for a long time. Does that change stuff in this game? Because we said give him time to develop. It's now two months into his development at Penn State. It's still not what it would be if he was here in January. So, like, do these domino effects of well that wasn't good in January? Did we see that on the field on Saturday, or is that too simple that they have? They should have pass catchers that can get open against Big Ten competition. Yeah, I don't think it changes that much. I mean, you, you give them a chance to, to learn the playbook a little bit more. And that, I think that's been a struggle for specifically Cephas in terms of like re- learning the routes and turning that into playing fast. Like that, that is the issue with the, all those wideouts really is like you either get the route right or you get it fast. There's there's not one or the other. And I think that that's the, that's the big thing. And and you look at the what's across the board or across the line of scrimmage, those guys do it right. And they play fast. And that's, that's the difference. And then they make ridiculous play. And I know he's not a receiver, but Cade Stover's catch over Kobe King yeah. was sort of, that was, that was the game like right there. That was the, uh, I mean, that is the summation of that entire game is, is it just being out of reach of Penn state and Ohio state going up and making the extra play and, and Penn state didn't, didn't have that, whether it's Cephas Liam Cliff, any of those 
I mean, even even creeping up in, into Wallace and, and Lambert Smith. I mean, you just never felt threatened by those guys on the outside, no matter what who was or which number was out there. So we're going to get to we're, we're here at the halfway point of the show. I do want to address the chat because there's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions there. First thing is myperfectfranchise.net. If you want to take control of your life, you cannot control Penn State football. You cannot control how they perform in these big moments, but you can control the next step in your life. Maybe you're a displaced corporate executive. Maybe you are somebody with management skills that wants to get out of your situation and dictate the next chapter. My Perfect Franchise, Andy Ludicky is a franchise consultant that can help you find the right business for you to manage and reap the benefits of being uh, whatever type of owner you want to be, hands-on, hands-off, part-time, full-time. Contact Andy, 404-973-9901 to go through his franchise consultation, which is 100% free, and he helps you find your best fit, your skills uh, applied to the next thing in your life, whether you want to diversify your assets, leave a legacy, or like I've been saying, the American dream is, is when you have freedom and freedom comes with the ability to dictate your life. Well, that can be if you have financial freedom. So once again, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net, 404-973-9901. Uh, we'll be talking about Andy for a long time now here on the show, longtime sponsor of the BWI Live Show. He's a huge recruiting nut. We're going to get to some of the questions about recruiting here in a little bit, um, but we do have to get to the prayers and concerns in the chat because there is a there's a long conversation going on here, and uh, of course I need to get back to where I was trying to start. Um, KJ Johnson says the program feels like where Georgia was under Mark Richt, very good but not elite. Fair comparison, guys. Fitz, what do you think? Um, I mean, I think there's parallels. I mean, it's, it's a different game than when Mark Rick was doing it at Georgia, but, um, yeah, I think that there's, there's parallels in there. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about where Georgia was at that point yeah. in terms of like where, I mean, where, where did Mark Rick like finish? I don't know, but the, I think there's parallels in, into just being outside of the, the national conversation. Um, Georgia, I think is in a better spot to prepare, was in a better spot to propel themselves from a location standpoint, from a right. recruitment standpoint. Um, than, than Penn State. David Dem, uh, David is back. He says, PSU Media needs to ask James Franklin sharp questions tomorrow. No softballs. Your audience wants answers, not coach speak. You can ask any question you want, Nate, and he'll give you coach speak if he wants to give you coach speak. And that's part of the conversation with the questions asked are to maximize the answer you get from James Franklin. It's a game and it is on his terms. If I, if, if that, is that a fair way to assess the, uh, the, way we approach James Franklin to try and get answers and information. I, look, I, uh, to, to me, it, there is a pathway to honesty from him. First of all, he's he's more often honest than he is not. Sometimes he's shorter than you would like, and sometimes he yeah. elaborates too much on nothing, right? It's just, it's filler. But my, my point only is if you come in with not a perspective, not a, hey, like, did you do this because of this? I've already decided that you're wrong and you need to atone for your sins. Right. Uh, you'll get an answer. You'll, you'll, you'll get something. And I mean, T Frank, you and I talked about this yesterday. How, how do you get him to acknowledge and or discuss uh, the middle of the field and, and drew Aller, right? How, yeah. how do you get him to, to talk about, right? Uh, after the game, what he said was, and, and you can connect all the dots here, right? Like this isn't, crazy town. Okay. He talked about putting 
his quarterback in the best position all season. And they felt like they had done that. Right. Yeah. What does that mean? What does putting your quarterback in the best position to succeed mean against the competition that they had played previously and against what it is in these two games against Ohio state and Michigan. And yeah. how, and how does that look? What to, to what extent do you have to take him out of those circumstances? Because those circumstances are exactly what those opponents know you like to do yeah. and can defend it. Unlike some of the opponents that Penn state has played previously. Yeah. It, it was a pretty simple formula. As Fitz said, like they took away the things that they like to do. And this is, this, this was an open question against Northwestern. So if they take away those easy access, cover three, cover four throws, and you don't get to eat on six, seven free yards, how, how do you adapt and evolve? And I don't want to put, you know, like my T Frank's film room, I'm going to have three of them this week. So we're going to get into all of this. So I, I'll reserve most of my opinion, but this is, I, I can't help but hear a little bit. This is, the biggest problem to me is the middle of the field. This is 10 yards or deeper down the middle of the field between the hashes. Aller has attempted 11% of his passes in that area. If you want to even compare him to Sean Clifford, we're talking about 17.5%. But the other Big Ten quarterbacks that matter, Kyle McCord uh, and J.J. McCarthy, they are in the 20s. So double or more of what Drew Aller is doing over the middle of the football field. So like... How do you win if you don't use the entire field? And this is kind of my problem with if he's an elite quarterback and he's an elite processor, you can't just take away parts of the field because you're afraid he's going to throw the ball to the other team. You need to let him develop as a quarterback to read the field and throw and, and have routes and options over the middle of the field. So like as much as I have been giving them the narrative of be doing the, the hard things well and sustaining drives, et cetera, if your quarterback is not using the full field, he's not developing into the guy that can be a next level processor. And, you know, like I, I, I'll get to a question here. That's just my opinion on the situation, having seen it again in full naked view without some of the advantages they've had. Patrick Kuhn says, I'm as angry as any and frustrated as the next person. And there's plenty of blame. But remember, this is a college sport. These kids have a stable program. One last team. Uh, it's a one last team with room to grow. I guess that's the question. Do they have room to grow fits? Do you think that this team can adapt and evolve in their shortcomings? I, I think there's room to grow. Whether that growing gets you an extra win this year, I, I, I don't know. Like that's they're sitting where they're at at ten and at perpetually ten and two, you know, for a reason. So I, I I think there is room to grow, and there's there's small growth there, but I don't think it's like get you over the top growth right now, at least for this season. Uh, I think. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just, just very quickly. Like, I think that I think that there's a question of, of that that we don't have an answer to, right? Of play calling and asking Drew to do things that maybe he believes himself capable of doing versus what is he not capable of doing right now? Mm -hmm. What what have the what has the coaching staff seen that says to them, "Hey, it's not a good idea to put him in these situations." Right. It's not a good idea to do this, 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 and this. And we don't, we don't really know. I, I, I don't feel the, the answer to that. The, the, the counter narrative, like the counterpoint to make to that is if he went 15 practices in preseason without throwing an interception, what were they doing? Right. Like what? Yeah. What were they, what was the offense? What did it look? Has it, Right. That's that's the unknown is has it always been this that that throughout the preseason, throughout camp, throughout the six, the first six games of the season, 
But I mean, T Frank, you did such a great job with that film review yesterday. Is it all out patterns? Like, is that it? Is yeah. that right? Is that is that the whole thing? Is they're saying to themselves, <laughs> "Look, we've we've got a first year quarterback." James Franklin talked about it at at Big Ten media days, right? If I was an opponent, I would make that first year quarterback beat me and not let the running backs beat me. Okay, so this internally, the mindset has been, okay, we know that that's the approach that they're going to do, and we're not going to let Drew Aller beat us either. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like we're we're going to say, hey, that's you, you very keep the ball safe. That's fits. I just going back to what you said of a six point performance. And like, if that's the context of the conversation, like that's also super depressing five-star quarterback. And you know, uh, Dave is on a, ra a rampage in the chat talking about, uh, the, the passing game, the five-star quarterback, like, is, is it this non-development of a quarterback? Is that a part of the conversation? Like, is that fair? Uh, I mean, I don't know that we're ready to have that conversation yet, but like, I, I am curious about the usage in terms of like, what are you protecting him from? Is the interception the end of the season? Like that, that is how they have coached this is how they've schemed it is like, if he throws an interception, everyone's done. Penn State didn't turn the ball over on offense on Saturday and it did not matter. Like it did not matter. They did enough. They did enough on offense that equated to turnovers like that. That is over, over, over 15 on your first 15 third downs, et cetera. Um, it, that sort of thing eventually does not matter. And I think that that's really where, where you get to it. And, and are you going to, you know, I, I know people want to jump on the bus train and everything like that, but like you see, you see the talent, you see that he can make some throws. You got to get his feet underneath of him. You got to get him to, you know, be confident in those throws. But like when you're playing with what, one quarter of the field on one side, one quarter on the field on the other side, and you've got arguably, you know, your most talented pass catchers in the middle of the field. What, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, going back to the tight ends, 12 personnel. If you can't use the middle of the field. So Ohio state doesn't have extra players on the field. They were taking away the outside and giving Penn state the middle of the field. There were times where the linebackers are shaded outside the tackle and you've got safeties 10 yards deep. And there's, there's no threat over the middle of the field. Larry says Penn State played out of character, run-heavy team, wanted to make sure we got to his stuff uh, here in the chat as well. One last thing, and then we'll, we'll get on to some of the other things we can talk about uh, with the Penn State offense and the defense. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Light says the Boston media is uh, composed 100% of mass holes. <laughs> if the coach does not want to give an answer, you won't get one. Plus, no question for you. So comparing James Franklin to... Bill Belichick is a little, I think that's a little bit, uh, that's, that's more than, uh, than, than unfair to James Franklin. He'll give you an answer. It's just, if you, as Nate said, if you profess an opinion in your question, it's not going to go well for you. Um, the Penn State defense, what's the fair conversation to have about how they played in this game, allowing 20, 20 points in the game, but really 12 through the final, through the first quarter, three quarters and a half. Uh, Nate, what, what do you think about that performance? Yeah, I thought they were, I thought they were, great, not spectacular, right? I mean, look, the the fumble return changes the game in a, in a lot of ways, right? And that's the play that they kind of were missing throughout, uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball, right? They 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 held Ohio State. They, I mean, the, I thought that the the red zone stand that they did, right, keeping, keeping Ohio State out of the end zone. I mean, there, there were so much good stuff 
that that defense did. And if you listen, if you hold them to 20 points, 13, right, for most of the third quarter or fourth quarter, and then they score that last touchdown on a very, very short field because uh, of, of your fourth down attempt that goes wrong, right? Like that's that's an excellent defensive performance. Uh, it, it just, it, it it's always like comparative, right? Did, did anyone do or get to the spectacular that Ohio state did to Penn state last year? No, right. That, that, that didn't happen. And right. with the offense being as dysfunctional as it was for Penn state, that ended up being what they needed. But certainly, I mean, th- there is nobody on the defensive side of the ball that's going to say to themselves that they didn't do enough, that there was right. I mean, may- maybe there's like a, a sliver that you can get to, but for the most part, that that was an excellent uh, performance. And Mar- Mar- even Marvin Harrison, right, did what he did, but it, he did it in the way that you want him to do it. You want it to take uh, eleven catches, right? With and again, I mean, the 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 last one was the backbreaker, that touchdown. But you want it to take him eleven catches to to go for one hundred fifteen yard, you know, whatever that whatever the final number was for him, but you want it to, to be that type of yeah. game for him. And they made it that, but it, it still, uh, you know, obviously was, uh, they, they just, they needed something to happen defensively to, to put points on the board, just given how bad Penn state's offense was. Yeah. You, you have to score on defense. If the offense isn't going to bail you, it isn't going to be a part of the game plan. So fits, I guess going off of the Marvin Harrison conversation, how do you assess how Kalen King did in that matchup? Not great. Not great. And, and you know, a lot of that is switching off and, and sending him. And Ohio State's use of crossers, it left, uh, you know, I've been calling for that on Penn State's side for the entire season. They do it very well. And, and they do it with their best players. Like, they do it with, with Marvin, Marvin Harrison coming all the way across the formation. And he is he is everything that we thought he was and maybe better. Like, I would argue they underutilized him at times, like because he is that good. Like he was phenomenal. So, um, but yeah, again, Kalen, uh, those times that he was in there, and it, I mean, pass interference, and the dude still catches the ball. Like sometimes you just got to tip your hat and go the other way. But yeah, definitely cost himself in terms of uh, what we talked about. We talked about that at times during the season. Is like nobody's throwing at him, but when they do, it's a lot closer than when when they were throwing at Joey Porter. So um, he's he's definitely got to pick that up for the, yeah. the second half of the season. You know, cost him probably around in the draft. Um, I think Marvin Harrison is going to do that to a lot of people, but like when you, when you have that marquee matchup and when you talk about that marquee matchup all week long and it's as decisive as, as I think we saw on Saturday, then that's, that's not good for Kalen. It, it was, it was the performance that kind of defined the game in a lot of ways because it also made Penn state have to adjust. You, they, they couldn't play man coverage at a certain point. One thing that I found interesting, and I think you made a great point there of your pass interfered and you still make the catch. In that game, if you look at the way Ohio State played Penn State's receivers, it was a physical game. They were grabby. Everyone was holding. It was college football. The difference is Marvin Harrison Jr. made you throw the flag. His ability to get to the catch point and be there to make the defensive grabbiness obvious what was, was a huge part of, of the defensive performance because then they had to go to more zone. They couldn't do man-to-man, and then you saw some of the results of that. Uh, Nate, uh, the, you mentioned the defense playing well. How do you? How, this is a question you're not going to be able to answer, but like, how do you think that affects the locker room when you have one side putting up a winning performance 
and then just a, a ghost performance from the offense. Like, is this is are they going to be able to rally and play Indiana this week with the same mental focus that they did a week ago? Well, so those feel like two different uh, those feel like two different questions because the first one is acknowledging human nature, and yeah, they're they're going to be not happy, right? I mean, it, there's again, there's no one on the defensive side of the ball that's going to say to themselves, "We didn't do enough." No, it's hey man, the the offense crushed us today, right? I mean, and certainly they're not going to talk about it that way to each other between the sides of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball, you know they're having that conversation. And I think you bring up an excellent point uh, for Indiana, which is Penn State has to win this game, right? Like this is, if we're we're talking narratives, right? I mean, everything is a 10-year window right now uh, for, for James Franklin, right? We're talking, we're talking about the indictments on his tenure, so on and so forth. Uh, this is the one that comes back into immediate focus for me, which is they lose games the following game after the first loss of the season happens too many times for Penn state over, over that time against lesser opponents. Right. So like that, that is real. Of all of the criticisms for James Franklin, that is absolutely real and needs to be addressed because losing this game, not having what you need to do. And I don't think there's really anything to worry about uh, in terms of what Indiana is going to do to Penn State, right? Like that's that's established. Indiana's not a great team this season. But what Penn State does to itself yeah. is could be problematic in this game. And, and so they 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 if if for the rest of the season, if all the other stuff that they want to still be in play to be in play by the time they get to Michigan and beyond, they got to take care of business the next two weeks. Uh, bar none, right? Yeah. So I guess that's the question, Fitz. Is all lost or is all not lost after this loss to Ohio State and the way that it went down? Um, all, all is not lost in terms of like double double digit win season, New Year's Six Bowl, whatever. I mean, that's kind of the the, the purgatory that Nate brought up earlier. Um, all is lost with championship aspirations, I think. Like, I don't think this team's going to beat Michigan. I don't, I don't think Ohio State's going to beat Michigan either. Like Michigan's on a on a tear, and they, granted, they haven't played anybody, but they are just abusing teams uh, left and right. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that's that's going to be tough to get out of this situation that they're in right now. Like that is eleven win, ten eleven wins, good enough? No, it's not with the championship aspirations, all that kind of stuff. So, like big picture stuff, like or small, small, uh, short, short-sighted. No, not all is lost. Big picture stuff. It's just like, how many times are we going to do this? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a great point. By the way, um, I apologize for whatever's going on with my, uh, camera and audio. It seems to me that I am the full three seconds behind, uh, based on the way everyone's answering my questions. So I appreciate everybody, including the guys here on the show, uh, working with this. So, I guess the the is there more to talk about with the Penn State defense, Nate? Do you have more to say there? Because we kind of once again we glossed over a great performance. We didn't really dig into some of those things. We can talk about Daquan Hardy. We can talk about the other things. What are the other? What's some of the stuff you can pull positively from how Penn State played on that side of the ball? I mean, this isn't a positive. It's right. This is the time for negative uh, negative reactions and overreactions. But yeah, the, the pass rush didn't get home a lot. Honestly, right? I mean, they, they finished that game with uh, one sack in in the stat book, 
which I think was Johnny Dixon's. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, there was, there is room for improvement. No turnovers. Uh, didn't didn't force a, an interception. Did, you know, and obviously, again, I mean, I just keep going back to that play. It's not why they lost the game. I'm not in any right, and the, and the holding call was the right call. I mean, but it, it it just proved to be such a critical moment for what Penn State was doing and and how the game would transpire from there. How much did and this is Stephen Keel asked this Hardy missing that punt that's big. How Fitz? How much did that change the game when Penn State presumably was going to have great field position? Do you think that the offense, given what we saw, that would have changed anything from how the game flow went, um, or 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 was that actually a huge missed opportunity? I mean, it's a missed opportunity. I don't think it's going to change the game because your offense still has to go out there. But um, and, and he was asked about it after the game. He said the wind blew it across his body. He would have had to catch it over his head or something of that nature, and he just decided to let it go, which was, you know, in hindsight, the the worst decision he could have made because that was an, another 25 yards. And, you know, you were in a situation where you were winning that aspect of the field position game. So, yes, I mean, it, it was a big play. Does it change things? I don't know. The offense still has to come back out there and score, and that's not really what they were into on Saturday. So um, it, it's one of those tough ones. And, you know, we, we talked all week about making the extra play, like, and really what plays did they make like in general be, to get to the extra play? Like they, there, there were a series of these things that, that happened that really was not, uh, not, not typical of what we've seen from this team to begin with. And uh, you know, it, it played like a team that was a, a bit timid on the road, a bit scared on the road. And that's, uh, you know, kind of leaked into a couple of different facets of the game. I thought the special teams was actually fine. Like mm-hmm. Alex Falcons hit, hit the kicks that he was supposed to hit. Riley Thompson probably played his best game. I don't know if it was the best average game, but like he was, he was what they wanted him to be. And unfortunately, you know, it just kind of is all a lot. And, and here's the problem I have with that is like, it sounds like a Iowa post game uh, post game podcast, you know, like if we're yeah. taking solace in how the punter played and how the kickers played, like that tells you you're not in a great spot right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're not you're talking. To, you're not talking about the quarterback. You're not talking about the defense. You're not talking about Kevin King. It's Riley Thompson. Good job, man. Can, can I make uh, I, one thing on behalf of the defense that that is to to uh, to their credit or de- I'm not exactly sure how to phrase it, but people want blood on on the fourth down decision, right? The mm-hmm. the, the fourth and five that that Franklin went for with seven minutes to play. Uh, here, like I'll give it to them. Uh, I, I think that was the wrong call. And here's why it was the wrong call. Not just because they didn't get it. Uh, and not just because the offense wasn't doing anything at that point. It's that you took the opportunity to win the game away from the one side of the football that was doing yeah. anything. Right. I mean, that, that to, to me, that is, uh, that is the failure in that decision is, the, the def- and again, I understand some of the context of that game. Ohio State's prior two possessions were three and a half minutes and four and a half minutes. They yeah. had gone eight and nine plays on those on those possessions. So the notion that the defense was wearing down, I think, is is accurate. But at the same time, uh, it just it just felt to me like a loss, not a loss of faith, but you just you're just taking the opportunity away from the, the guys who, who kind of got you there, right. The guys who kept you in position to be in that game in the first place, they, they really didn't have the opportunity to win the game uh, based on being put in that hole on that fourth down. 
You make a good point of talking about you want to be complimentary football team and the whole vibe of the offense is don't you dare lose this for the defense and then you don't give the defense a chance to to be the hero at the end of the game. You put them in a bad situation. Fitz, this is something that came up a lot. I'm going to ask you this question. James Franklin has asked this question after the game. I think it's a part of the conversation and we have to address it at least if even if we don't think that it's a viable conversation. Bo Prabula, whether in a package or to give you a spark off the bench. People want to know, would that have changed the game for Penn State having a running threat at quarterback? I, I don't think I don't think he does enough in the passing. Like it's either one or the other, really. You know, you, you either have the running threat or you have the passing threat. I don't think there's much of an in-between because from what we've seen from Bo, while he has completed a few passes, like it, it hasn't been there. I mean, it's just the the lack of a running threat in a Franklin-led offense from a quarterback is just like you haven't seen it you haven't seen that work you haven't seen that work you know a couple of times now with the all the way back to hackenberg and then here with drew so i i, I don't know man like uh, you can second guess a lot of things about this game yeah. i didn't come away second guessing the probula thing as one of the top five things about this game i would say so we're getting here to the end of the show. If you guys have any more questions or comments, throw them in the chat. I have run out of things that I feel like are are meaningful to talk about. We could go back and talk about the offense for another 20 minutes, but uh, we've also beaten that poor horse to death. Steven here in the chat says, just to clarify, my point is that Penn State media is not going to get anything out of being aggressive. It doesn't work anywhere. Okay, I get what you're saying. Thank you very much for the clarification, Steven. Yeah, having a question, have, having a, a, a feel to your question that is non-neutral I think is a very fair point. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts here? We're getting final thoughts uh, on the game and what is at stake for Penn State. One thing I did want to ask you, Fitz, actually, throw this in here, is we, we talk about the implications of the loss for the rest of the season, but playing poorly, having your five-star quarterback look like, bleh, you know, in a big game, how does this, what does this do for recruiting? I know that it's kind of nebulaic, but this can't be good, right? No, it's not good. I mean, it's not it's not a dagger. Like it's not going to be something that completely wipes you off the face of the earth from the recruiting side. I mean, you you got to go back and spin this as to, you know, what's what what this player can do to get you over the hump versus Ohio State. And truth be told, that's that's been the the sell the entire time. Like it's, you know, Michigan's won the last two Big 10 titles, but like Ohio State has always been the goal in terms of like what you do as a program. So, I don't think it's a, a it's a big dagger. One game is is never going to get you an 8 point, you know, we're going to look back on this in a few months and an eight point loss on the road to a number three team or whatever um, Ohio state is, is going to go into the record book as such. So like, you're going to be able to, to spin your way out of that. So I don't think it's a, it's a dagger. The question is, you know, the, the offensive playmakers, where are they going to come from? Like, where are they going to, like, what are you going to do? Like Ohio state is not recruiting top line wide receivers by accident. Like there is a reason that they have put together this assembly line of playmakers on the outside. And it's because, the substance came before the, you know, the, the, the eventual uh, conquest there in the recruiting. So um, Penn state's going to have to figure out a way to get there. Um, you look at the past couple of, of, I mean, you look at recruiting since Gaddis left and Gaddis kind of the last two years he was here, like there, there was not much there. And, and Penn state has developed a couple of guys, of course, Dotson came out and, you know, outperformed shorter George, all those guys. So, and they've had guys that have come along and done a nice job, Parker Washington as well. Um, but just, you know, how do you, how do you get to that level? I, I, I don't know. Uh, Derek asked this question in the chat. Where is Amari Evans? There's a, there's a lot of brick Tamlin from anchorman here in the chat. Cause did he kill a guy? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> what, what's the? I don't believe so. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I would, I would be surprised. That would be very shocking. We would led the show with that. Um, I guess the hype around Amari Evans came from he had a final good week, uh, in the blue white game, spring football. Is that enough to say like the hype around him has fallen or was it false hype to begin with? Like, I guess, I don't know. I never really fully bought into Amari Evans is the guy outside, but I know that it was part of the conversation because the coaching staff made it a part of the conversation. Where do you gauge Amari Evans on where he should be and where he is, which is not a part of the, the offense at this point? Fitz, I wanted to ask you. That. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were turning in. I'm having the no, worst I, game. I am having I mean, I, the, the Ohio State Penn State game on Monday. Jeez. Yeah. How about I, it? Um, I don't know where you know, he is. Right. Like that's that's the that's the big part of it. Is is where is he? He's not he's not part of any anything. He, he's just not. I mean, we see him in practice, but he at no point has he been like, oh, hey, the, now he's back in the mix. He's he's the second guy at. X or right. I mean, it's just that has not really happened. And so obviously the conversation earlier this season was bumps and bruises, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer to that, but I, I will say something that I think is relevant is even after that, right. So there, there were, there were two points of the conversation. One was Omari Evans has changed the dynamic of what Dante Cephas means to mm -hmm. the receiver group. That was an important conversation to have. But the second part of the conversation was in late June, July, whenever we met with them. Uh, yeah, but we're still debating whether or not our second tight end is a better pass catcher than or option than having a third receiver on the field. Right. So that's uh, it's it's just it's just in context. Right. Omari Evans maybe being better than Dante Cephas is one thing, but either one of those guys being a better option than Tyler Warren is, is another. Right. Uh, yeah and one that I don't think that they have uh, yet figured out. Okay, so before I fumble another football here, uh, Fitz, final thoughts heading into the Indiana week. Pense coming back home in this game. Yeah, it's just got to flush it. I mean, there's, there's not much you can do with it. I mean, the, the season does come down to two games, and it's the harsh reality of college football these days um, in, the, in this realm, and uh, they failed their first test. So, like, you got to put that one behind them. Nate has mentioned their, their record coming off losses. Indiana is not good. Like they just uh, are not good, but you still are facing a division one team this week. So you got to go out there and, and, you know, get past it. And it's going to be interesting to see how they turn on offense because, you know, this is a defense that's not going to be able to take away everything like Ohio state's defense was able to. So, I mean, there's, there's not much to it or there's not much to it, but just to, to move forward. And for people that want, more answers they want to demand more from head coach james franklin he will talk to the media tomorrow and we will have that here a live replay moments after it happens on the bwi live channel i'm thomas frank carr sean fitz nate bauer here on the show thank you very much gentlemen we will be back on wednesday with more breaking down ohio state and what happened with the offense and then at some point this week we will shift our attention to indiana but there's going to be a lot more about penn state's loss on Saturday, coming up this week at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Great time to sign up. We will talk to you later. Thank you for showing up today.